Hey everybody, this is Q the Abolitionist. And Crypto Gumbo. And this is episode 21 of Unshackled Liberty. Get some. Hey, uh, might as well talk about this at the beginning. What do you think? Want to talk about okay. the frat? Yeah. So we have, as you guys know, we are part of the frat now. Um, and I want to take some time at the beginning of the show and kind of kind of pimp some of these uh, some of these other shows. So we got Burning Boots, Punk Rock Libertarians, Dissecting Liberty, Anarchy Proper, The Gaslight Hour, Sean V. The Planet, The Dose, Erase the State, No Real Libertarian, Trent Must Talk, and us, of course, Unshackled Liberty. And I think, and I think uh, Bullshito and Quincy have put together a show um, called, uh, oh, what's the name of the show? You forgot. I did, dude. Well, it's not written down. Like, how am I supposed to remember this? Um, we'll get you back. Laurel, Laurel and Hardy across the pond. See, I got it. I got okay. it. Laurel and oh, Hardy. I like, across I like the that pond. name. That's, that's yeah. Good. So it's so Quincy and Bullshito are, are, I got a little, got a little podcast brewing and, and, uh, listening to them. It looks like it's going to be a, a pretty good, pretty, pretty fun show. So those are our homies in the frat. You need to listen to them. You can listen to them now. Thank you. Later. Later. Hey everybody, um, this is Q the Abolitionist, and we're and, and I'm with uh, with my co-host Crypto Gumbo and a special guest Jordan from oh. uh, Veterans for Voluntarism, and we're here to talk about recruiting. And uh, Jordan was an Army recruiter, I was a Navy recruiter. Some of you guys have obviously picked that up uh, by listening to some of our past shows. And and with we had we had uh, Veterarchist Actual on about a week ago, maybe two. Yeah, and uh, we were talking about one of my recruiting stories I told him and, and, and he brought up the idea that I should have, that we should have um, Jordan on the show with us. And so that's what we're doing. And uh, before we get going, I know Jordan's going to probably echo the same thing I'm about to say, but well, I recruited almost 20 years ago and uh, I was a different person back then and than, than what I am now. And there's obviously things in that line of work that I did that I was not necessarily proud of. Um, it was not an exciting, it was not a fun line of work to be in. It was very challenging. Um, and so it's kind of like an upfront disclaimer that you're going to hear some scummy stuff and it's going to be, at least from my perspective, uh, it's going to be water under the bridge. And the unfortunate truth is real lives are affected and have been affected and completely altered um, based off of, of the decision to join the military. Uh, no different than my decision to join the military and, and uh, Gumbo's decision to join the military and Jordan's decision as well. And of course, all the other veterans out there. Um, but to be the guy in, in the position to help facilitate that decision for that young man and young man or young woman, um, it's kind of an icky place to be. And so maybe we'll talk a little bit about it. We have a discord opened up. Uh, so some of the guys in here, some of our veteran buddies are, are, uh, in here asking us questions and whatnot. And so maybe we'll get to those, but ultimately, um, I wanted to have Gumbo ask some questions and provide Jordan an opportunity to. Uh, talk about his experiences and mine, and we'll compare and contrast what it was to be a Navy recruiter versus an Army recruiter. I'm sure there are a lot of similarities, and there's probably several dis- differences as well. So, Jordan, welcome to the show, man. Kind of a long intro, buddy, but uh, just kind of wanted to lay the, lay the groundwork for what we're going to talk about today. How you doing, man? 
I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on. I really do appreciate it. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're here. It's, it's, it's good. To, you know what I like about podcasts is, is, is everybody kind of has their own little project going and Gumbo and I have ours and you, you have yours with, with, with your homies and stuff. And, but we are always able to get together and share experiences and help each other out. And I think it's, I think it's a really good community, particularly among the veterans. I think the veteran yeah. podcasters yeah. Are, are pretty awesome. So I'm really glad to be part of that and I'm glad you're here. So thanks for joining us. Um, I don't have anything else to say other than that intro and just kind of want to see where we're going with that. Did you have anything you wanted to talk about up front um, with regard to your experiences as an army recruiter? Um, <clears throat> sure. I guess I can just kind of laid out a little synopsis. Um, I came into recruiting in 2016 and I did it until early 2020, like January, 2020. Oh, fresh. Yeah. Yeah. So I got some up-to-date info, I guess, but this <laughs> changes so frequently. Are you guys PG-13? Yeah, we're PG-13. Okay, my bad, dude. That's cool. You should have said that earlier. You know, one or two of these I'll just beep out if you don't mind, but uh, if if it becomes labor-intensive. I'll keep you clean. I'll keep you right on. Right on, bro. Okay. Um, But yeah, it it was, uh, I mean, it changes all the time. And I will just say overall encompassing my experience in it is um, definitely the worst experience of my life. Yeah. Uh, I ended up kind of having a nervous breakdown, made some uh, mental health counseling appointments. Oh, wow. Um, got told that I was going to have to make up the time in the workday for those appointment, that appointment time. So I just ended up canceling the appointments and just drank myself into oblivion every night. I'm so sorry, man, that, that you get, yeah. we get put in those situations in the military. Yeah. I mean, it's just bureaucracy, you know, yeah. crap. And uh, um, I would have spent, rather spent three years in Afghanistan over three years in recruiting ever again because that, that was terrible i had a nervous breakdown i was a terrible alcoholic for a long time just recently getting over that and uh good you for know, you it's just they work you to death they're a non-deployable unit um bunch of dudes really that just don't want to do organized pt anymore and it shows i mean go to a recruiting office right now and look at the army recruiters um they're probably not doing pt on their own well yeah so, i gained yeah, a lot of like I, the, <laughs> yeah they don't like going out the field they don't like deploying so they yeah. stick in recruiting and recruiting just generally kind of retains the worst people in the military, at least in the army. Did you have, did you have like a career recruiter? Um, like, a, Dude, like in some... my office, we had three. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, wow. I was in like a large station. So it was, uh, like seven recruiters and a station commander. Oh, so, man. um, it was funny because when I first got there, we had two 79 Romeos, which is the career guys. And they were awesome. Like really cool. They only, they let us off at five every day. That was like the only policy they had. And, um, you know, they're really good dudes. Um, I got along with them really well, but they only stayed for like maybe five more months after I got there and we got a new station commander. He was trash. He got fired. I took his job. So I was an E6 Mm. running an E7 promotable. Um, that's a pressure on you for sure. Yeah. And of course he didn't listen to anything I had to say. I had just got promoted to E6. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. And I was doing that for about six months, working until about 11 o'clock at night every day and going in at seven, um, working Saturdays too. Yep. And, uh, yeah, running that. And then we got a new station commander in. He was trash. Uh, I got moved to a different station due to whatever reason. Mostly I was ETSing and it was closer to where I lived. So I got moved there for about three months and, I don't know. The last eight months of recruiting, I just stopped working. I read Anatomy of the State and Economics of One Lesson and kind of went full ANCAP and just said, I'm done with this. <laughs> and, you know, people came up to me like, hey, Sergeant Johnson, I really, you know, 
think about joining the army. I'd say, okay, let's see if I can disqualify you. Rather than early in my recruiting experience, I'd be like, let's see how I can hide these disqualifications. Yeah, let me see if I can yeah. find a way. Yeah. I, we, it's, uh, it's funny. I found out that um, way after the fact, after I was in the Navy, I was active duty for like nine years. And uh, I found out after I left my ship and I got stationed in, in, in Pearl Harbor, uh, like in 2009-ish, I found out that there were several waivers that I should have gotten that I never got. So I had to sit <laughs> down with a, with a background investigator. And it was, it was funny to me at the time because I was young. I didn't care about, you know how it is when you're in the military and you're young. You don't care about any of that. you just like, hey, I'm here. I signed up. I'm a dummy. Let's Dude, rock. Yeah. Let's do it. We had, did you have an, we had acronym for, uh, well, no was an acronym and yes was an acronym, right? So if you, we were going to process an applicant into the, into the Navy, no meant Navy opportunities. <laughs> yes, yes meant your enlistment stops. And so there was an executive brief that we would give these kids and they are, they were kids, 19 years old, 18 years old. A lot of them, some of them 17 with parental consent. Um, we would sit down in the back room and go head, head to toe you know, I, you know, there's a lot that goes into getting this guy in that back room before we take him down to MEPS, but the executive brief, we would go over every possible question that could be asked at MEPS. And, and it was a 30 to 45 minute conversation with just the recruiter in charge, which was, which, you know, towards the end of my recruiting tenure was me at the beginning, of course, it was somebody else, but you know, with the recruiter in charge of the station, you'd sit down and you would go over every possible question that could be asked and you would brief this kid exactly what the answers were and we would always tell him no means navy opportunities you say no you're good you say yes your enlistment stops and and that was everything from from police involvement to drug use to medical issues which is which is probably the worst part of it is because here's a kid that maybe he has asthma and and you know he, he doesn't really he's not quite sure and uh you know he can run now and so you you know he doesn't say he's with you know Obviously, he's got to answer the questions, but we definitely coach him in the right direction. And that's that was sketchy, dude. That was, I mean, you oh, look yeah. back on it now and it's like, holy man, that was so dirty. I'm glad well, that you were I mean. able to, towards the end of your tenure as a recruiter, to, you know, kind of kind of shift over and, and find a way to keep people away from military service. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, at first, when I first started, I was like absolutely innocent with it. I was like, okay, like if you're legitimately disqualified, I'm going to send you along your way. And then somehow the prospect would pop up in the system. Cause I don't know when you were, if you're recruiting, if you guys had like the computer system and stuff Yeah. with us, it was, we call it iChrome. Um, but yeah, the prospect would pop up underneath the station commander and you go and check their 2807, which is the medical pre-screen and it's all knows except for in, currently in good health. <laughs> and it was like, wow okay well that dude has like self-mutilation scars and he's on adhd meds and had inpatient treatment and everything else like you're hot seat not or you're hot i got you bro. Don't <laughs> you know what that, like going through the um the meps and the the what is it that that program what was it that delayed, program? yeah delayed entry Adapt, program. yeah the, that's where they instill in you from the get-go out the gate if you have any symptoms you don't have any symptoms everything is pro everything is good just like, do you have, uh, do you have any lumps in your, in your stomach? If you do, no, I don't, you know, do, do you have any sort of uh, preexisting diseases? No, even though you do, you know what I mean? That's, they instill mm -hmm. that in you early on. And then <laughs> I remember I come back from a, a deployment, a year long deployment and you have to do the out processing. And it's similar to whenever you get, you first start going through like the debt, uh, debt program or MEPS yeah. to join the military. And uh, they're asking all these crazy questions because I was gone for like a year, boots on ground stuff. And 
I'm doing detaining operations, right? And they're asking me all these weird questions. Did you see anything that you shouldn't have? Uh, no. Did you, uh, <laughs> did, did you, uh, did you, were you in any sort of trauma? No. You know, you, you, you just lie because if you open that, if you open that door, then it's going to be, it's going to make your life hell. You know, it's going to be hard on you because you're going to have a lot of people breathing down your neck. What's wrong with you? And then like, like Jordan was saying, you make these appointments to go get checked out like a psych exam or something. And then they're going to, you're going to have to stay at work for an extra two hours to make up that time that you weren't yeah, there dude. for. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's for real. At least as an NCO, you would. Yeah. yeah. In today's army, at least in recruiting. I don't know why. I didn't get that much crap for stuff like that. You know, we had, you know, leadership with multiple deployments out in the line. So they're like, you know, if you got to go get checked out and take care of yourself, go take care of you, dude. You know, like go do what you got to do. Um, but like in recruiting, it was okay. I mean, yeah, you can go. I can't tell you not to, but you're going to be in here making telephone calls by yourself yeah. until you make an appointment. Yeah. And, then, and it's like, you know, we're talking about like all the scummy stuff that we would have applicants hide and stuff like that. It's like, do you have any idea what happens if you come up with a zero for a month? Oh yeah. Zero roller you're you're dead dude you're, i you're gonna regret the next however long it takes for you to put somebody in the army or in the navy or whatever i did yeah. that three months in a row on purpose um <laughs> you would <laughs> well yeah i'm a, I'm that i'm the nose to spite your face kind of guy that's that you know gumbo can tell you all about that but but uh, i was a recruiter back in 2000 from 2000 to 2004 so i was i was a bag toting in the field recruiter during September 11th and I saw a transition completely transition from nobody wanted to talk to me to everybody wanted to talk to me. And one of the, one of the funniest things when I said, well, I shouldn't say everybody, everybody that, that was unqualified to join the military mm -hmm. wanted to talk to me. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. people of like, course. Oh, recruiting has got to be easy right now. Well, the problem is, is everybody who wants to join, these are all, dude, I had like an old man that would come into my office, an old man, 80 something years old. Like at the time he was like a Korean war vet, dude, he was an old man. And coming into my office every day for three months telling me I'm ready to go. And he was serious. He, he, had, he had all of his stuff. I mean, you know, beers, I don't know what you guys call in the army. We call it beers doc documents. It was basic enlistment eligibility requirements. So he would come mm -hmm. up with his birth certificate, social security card, high school diploma. He was so, I mean, how he even still would have a high school diploma or even know where it was at how, whatever age, whatever advanced age he was. I don't even know if I know where my high school diploma is now, but uh, you know, he would come in ready to go, man. And he was, and he was serious and he's already, he got his DD two fourteen with him. It's like, says right here, wow. I can come back in. It's like, nah, we're not doing that, bro. Like you do not qualify you, you know, thank you for your service, but I can't help you, you know, and he's ready to go ride the lightning again. <laughs> Yeah, ready to do it, man. And it was all the guys like this. It was like, and then people would come in, guys in wheelchairs, like, I'm ready to go. Like, I could be, you know, maybe I can't be, you know, uh, do, you know, I can't be on a ship, but maybe I could be in an airplane. It's like, no, man, it doesn't, you can't do any of that. You're in a wheelchair, right? Like, like, <laughs> like, I'm sorry, like, I don't mean anything by it, but you, you don't, you don't qualify. And, you know, guy, you know, high school dropouts, of course, would come in all the time. And, and, uh, dude, it was, it was a weird, weird, weird time to be a Navy recruiter because I, can only I, imagine. I yeah. saw like a, such a transition in, 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 in a 24 hour period, like the whole, the whole, I couldn't get anybody to talk to me and then I couldn't get anybody to stop talking to me, <laughs> the, the, uh -huh. you know, and I was wasting time either way. Right. And uh, to find, to find the right people is always a challenge. So yeah, what was, everybody's, what was everybody's interested until they're qualified. Yeah, dude. Oh, that's yeah. The truth. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's the truth. Hey, Jordan, how long, how long were you uh, in the army? 
Uh, I was in active duty army for eight years. And before that I was in the national guard for four. Okay. Mm. Okay. Okay. So, no, I went on my deployment with the national guard, Iowa national guard came back and then switched to active duty after okay. that. Right on. What was the weirdest so, thing? What was the weirdest thing you saw? What was the weirdest thing you put in the, in the army? I shouldn't say uh, like that. What was the weirdest condition you had? Well, you know what I'm trying to say. You put somebody in the army. What's the weirdest problem they had that you covered up? Can I say that? Is that allowed? Sure. Yeah. You're kind of, um, you're kind of fresh. Are you sure you want to talk about that? I'm sorry to ask. You're kind of, <laughs> no, you know. I'm good at that. Okay. Come knocking on my door. <laughs> um, hmm. The weirdest thing I hid. Uh, I would say the most. Con- I really didn't hide a whole lot of weird stuff. I did have a little bit of integrity okay. in that aspect. Like, um, I did not touch like mental illness. Yeah. You know. But like kids that are like teenagers, you know, 17, 18, 17 to 20 year old people that are on antidepressants is extremely common. Yeah. But that's yeah. a permanent disqualifier. Yeah. You know, kids that are on like ADHD meds. Yep. Um, permanent disqualifier. Permanent disqualifier. However, you can hot seat that out. And yep. people do. And recruiter, I don't know if any recruiters listen to this, but you guys hot seat. We all know. MEPS knows it too. It's just how good you, you are at telling your applicant not to bring it up. Yeah. Um, I didn't really hide a whole lot of weird stuff, but we did get waivers for some weird stuff. Uh, we got a waiver for a dude with a Grand Theft Auto. That was absolutely unheard of. Oh, wow. Like that was a USAREC, <laughs> USAREC level waiver. I don't know why they approved it. I have no idea. We didn't expect it to get approved, but the dude made us. He's like, do something for me. Yeah. Well, if, if he's doing all the legwork for you, why not put him on deck? Just throw, throw it against the wall and see if it sticks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but he stole, a, stole his mom's car when he was like 10. And she turned him in and he got charged with it. And it was a pretty big charge and it was a hard waiver to get through, but it got approved. At well, he 10. was 10. So, I mean, yeah. At 10. Uh, Who does that? So, so, if you start stealing cars at 10, maybe joining the army at 18 ain't too bad. It's a pretty good decision. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause> I'm... <laughs> but the weird thing is, like, we couldn't get approvals for, like, you know, small tattoos on somebody's hand. Yeah. You know, you can be a criminal. You just can't have any tattoos. The stuff that hand. they would approve. Yeah, the stuff that they would approve versus the stuff that they wouldn't would blow you away. Mm-hmm. What about you, man? I put a kid in with Tourette syndrome. Um, Timmer! <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, I mean, it wasn't like a full-on Tourette's, like the kind where you would – I didn't – how do I put it like this? Um, he wasn't like the kind of Tourette's where he would just yell obscenities out of the blue, right? It was more of like a, more of like a twitch and he was on Haldol for it. And, uh, it was one of those things where I, I tried to tell him, believe it or not, I tried to tell him you're not, you're not qualified. Um, and it, uh, and, and in, in the weakness of the moment of trying to make a mission, uh, he, he convinced me that he could go off Haldol and be just fine. And, and I guess he did for a while and, uh, about like the fifth or sixth week of boot camp. Um, he had an event. He had, he couldn't stand still. You know, he couldn't stay at attention without twitching, and that and that was enough to flag him. And uh, so, so you know, three months after he shipped out to boot camp, because you know they, they they found him, then they uh, processed him, did all medical processing and stuff, and then they sent him home. So three or four months after after he shipped out to boot camp, I see him working at the local Ace Hardware. <laughs> And I'm like, did, 
dude, what's going on? He's like, oh, yeah, I meant to come by and see you. I said, no, no, we're good because I'm thinking to myself he's going to hit me in the head with a hammer or something, right? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> But he was, he, was, he, he was okay with, you know, how it all went down. He, he said, I, I knew full well that that was a risk that I was taking. So that was the weirdest thing, and, and it felt like – it felt dirty doing that too because, you know, I wanted to when – you, when you buy into your product so much – and you have a guy that you really like and you're trying to help him out, you feel like you justify it by trying to help this person out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I justified it to myself. But at the same time, brother wasn't qualified, you know, and he had a medical condition that, you know, would have been, well, like, been a danger to himself and others, frankly, you yeah. know, you have Tourette syndrome and, you know, you could be in Navy, Army, Marine Corps, Air Force, Coast Guard, it doesn't matter. You could be in a, in a condition where, a situation where that condition could put you and other people at risk, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think it all the way through. I kind of regretted it. It didn't sit right with me, but I thought I was doing right by the kid and that's how I sold it to myself. Right. And you could mm-hmm. sell yourself on a lot of things when you want to, man, you know, oh, for kinda, sure. it's kind of icky. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people compartmentalize that it was like, well, you know, it's a stupid disqualification. Yeah. And there are some disqualifications like, okay, you know, like you should probably change with the times. Um, yeah. but at the same time, you know, you shouldn't be putting in people that like just got out of, I don't know, inpatient psychiatric ward. Yeah. You know, like I have, I've seen it many a time and it irked me every single time seeing it. It's like they put this one kid in that would lock his parents into their room and walk around his house with an ax. And he got put in inpatient psychiatric for that. He got out the day he got out, came to the recruiting office, told the recruiter, Went back in the back office with the station commander and joined the army. Oh man, <laughs> here's Johnny. Do they not? <laughs> yeah. So, do, so what's the what's the background uh, investigation like for the army? I, I think the navy would have that would have popped on a navy investigation. Uh, they can't check anything medical. So anything wow. that you put in the twenty eight oh seven. So like the medical pre screen stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything medical, if, if there's no sign of it or symptom or they don't mention it, it's just whatever the 2807 says. Wow. So, so because he wasn't involved with law enforcement, they didn't pop. Yep. Wow. Yep. It was volu- like a, basically a voluntary, you know, it was pressured by his family, but he pretty much checked himself in, checked himself out. And his parents was probably like, <laughs> Yeah. Well, his mom ended up calling the office one day and I unfortunately answered it and she, I got the wrath of her. I was like, Okay, I don't know what to tell you. Talk to her, his recruiter. I have nothing to do with this. So they, you know. so she, <laughs> you know, so, there are, there are those situations though where a troubled kid, um, with varying degrees of trouble, however you want to label that, they join the military and they end up doing good. They become a stellar rock star. But I mean, they're few and far between. But there are a handful of outliers like that. You know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And I joined with disqualifications. I never brought up. You know, that probably would have gotten me a fraudulent enlistment. I think um, we all did. I think if, yeah. if that, and that's the other thing you think about, we all, if you were to look at the military service across all branches and if everybody was 100% truthful with their various, you know, recruiting qualifications, cause you got an army recruiting manual, there's a Navy recruiting manual and I'm sure there's a recruiting manual for all the other branches as well. Right. If you're hundred percent honest, you're going to find, everybody's going to find something in that book that kicks them out and is like permanently disqualified, non-waverable. Right. Um, For sure. I was, uh, I was on 80. I was, uh, I was on Ritalin, you know, when I, when I joined and, and that popped the day before I went to MEPS, I 
you know, I was doing that executive brief and they, the whole process was going through and we were talking about everything and, and I was doing the executive brief, the last chance. And they asked me about ADD and Ritalin. And I said, yeah, man, I'm, I take a pill a day. It helps. And I was, you know, 18, 18 years old, 18 years old. And, uh, they, uh, they freaked out, man. They were like, Oh, we can't do this. And they made it seem like, Oh, you're done. Go home. Get out of here. Get out of my office. Go away. Don't ever come back again. And as a kid, I'm like, wait, this is what, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not yeah. going to college. I'm joining the Navy. And yeah. then the recruiter in charge, you know, this was their sales tactic, right? Pulled me in and said, Hey, how bad do you want to join? I said real bad, dude, this is what I'm doing. Like I'm mm-hmm. you know, after I graduated from high school, I'm going off to the Navy. This is what I'm doing. What do you mean? I can't do it. You know? And he's like, well, then you got to shut up about it. Really? <clears throat> yeah. You got to shut up. Don't say anything. Can you, can you shut up about it? Yeah, I could shut up about it. Are you man enough to shut up about it? Yeah, I'm, you know, because it's, that's the game, right? Like, do you this, have the testicular yeah. fortitude? Do you to shut have up what about it, it takes? Do you have what it takes to keep this secret and have an excellent Navy career? Yeah, I do, man. I, I really do. I have what it takes, bro. I'm good. Yeah. And, that, and it's, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I'm sure you guys did the same thing or did the same thing, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. So, it's so ugly, bro. It's so, ugly. Well, that pretty much happened to me with antidepressants when I enlisted. Yeah. And, they're like, look, if you mention that at MEPS, you're not getting in. You're going to be yeah. permanently disqualified. You're never going to get in. I nobody cares how good your ASVAB score is. I had a pretty good ASVAB score. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, God, so I was so scared. So everything was no, except for currently in good health. Yeah. And I didn't even, like, list my tattoos. The doctors caught them. <laughs> the recruiters didn't even catch them. Um, what else? Oh, I forgot to m- mention a law violation that I had, which after I enlisted when I was in the DEP, um, I got interviewed by a background investigator, which was really wasn't a big deal. It was a long interview though. It was like two or three hours Ugh. and it was for speeding when I was 16. It's like, That's okay. Ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, man. But Let's yeah, see. man, they do it. You know, I, it is, I mean, everybody has been in recruiting does it because like you said, if you go by the book, by the regulation, as far as, you know, what's enlistment criteria ain't nobody joining nobody nobody yeah hey everyone this is jordan one of the three hosts of the podcast veterans for voluntarism we are a weekly podcast that focuses on topics such as military policy foreign policy and libertarianism since we're all combat veterans you get a perspective from people that have been there done that that differs from the typical neocon support the troops crowd come join us on stitcher spotify itunes and any other large podcatcher thank you for your time if I would have been a recruiter, I would have gotten my number quota just so I could skate off and do what I wanted to do. I'm just Bro, being honest. I'm telling you, that's not that's the goal. That's the goal. Like if you, so if you could make, I, there were very few guys who could make mission by the 15th, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, don't be a team player, bro. Like it doesn't pay to be a team player. Like Mm-mm. like if you're in a recruiting station of like five or seven guys, right? And 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 you write your one and a half to two every month, like on the on the dot, you can nail it they're going to squeeze you for that third one. They're going to mm-hmm. squeeze you for that fourth one. And, and then what happens is, and I mean, I'm sure it's the same way for the army. Um, it'll take you two to three months on average to work a guy, to get him into the, into the, into the delayed entry program, to get him in. And there's your mm-hmm. one. So if you have a pool of applicants and you got two, maybe three falling every month, you know, joining and you're just kind of working your pool and building your pool and you, and somebody like your boss tries to squeeze you to get 
one more guy because the other recruiters aren't pulling their weight or whatever. Well, you're going to, you're going to deplete your own pool. And then next month you're the guy that's rolling yeah. the donut, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, they don't care about how well you no, did last month. No, they so what, do you, what do you got they, for me right now? Right now. Yeah. Too much is never enough. That's, that's exactly how, how it is. And a few guys and everybody hated him. He's not a team player, but you know what? He was working pretty normal hours mm -hmm. and he wasn't stressed out and he would make his mission by the 15th or the 16th or the 17th of the month. And the last two weeks of the month, he was you know, going home at one o'clock in the afternoon and, you know, making sure that his, his, his pool of applicants was, was filled up. And the next, you know, that's because he was salty. He was salty. He had he, that ring, that ring experience. He, he knew didn't what to care. Do. <laughs> he didn't care. He didn't care. He wasn't there to make friends. And next thing you know, the first week of the next month, he's got two applicants on deck ready to go. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> you sure. Know, you know what I mean? Like the first week of the next month, boom, there's his two and he's sailing out for the rest of the month. And, uh, yeah. there's no friends in recruiting, man. They um, all try to use you for something. It's, it's, and it's terrible, man. And the worst ones we, so the Navy on the Navy side, we had, you know, you guys have an MOS, we have ratings, right? And, mm -hmm. uh, there's a Navy rating called NC which is Navy counselor and there's, it's broken up into two kinds of people, right? You have your career recruiters and your fleet counselors, right? So you have your NC guys in the fleet and those are the career counselors that, that, that help the sailors in the fleet and in the, you know, actually, you know, in the operational Navy um, build their career, right? Make sure they're hitting all their wickets for promotion and they got their seashore rotation all squared away making sure that their, their bonuses, if they're due any are coming in, right? All that stuff. Right. And then you have, the NCs that are recruiters and those guys, boy, they're never going back to the fleet and they know it and they act like they're never going to see that kid ever again. So they will screw anybody over to put him in the Navy because they don't care. They're never going to sail with that guy. And the rest of us are like, well, at some point I'm going to be back on a ship. And at some point I'm going to have to, I'm going to run into somebody. If I put 80 people in the Navy over the course of, you know, three years or four years, I'm going to run into a couple of them. That's for sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, definitely. I wish I could have ran into one of my RDCs. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I never did though. He was a submariner. I That's wasn't. Funny. Um, so, so Jordan, what, what did you, uh, what did you serve, uh, prior to recruiting? Like what was your duty stations? Uh, so after I came back from Afghanistan, when I was in the guard, uh, I, when I switched to active duty, my first duty station was Korea, unfortunately. Uh, what part we're at? Camp Hovey. Okay, yeah. I've been to Chinhe. I think maybe maybe Q has too. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I was up kind of like, I was in Dongdachan, so I was up like maybe 10 miles south of the DMZ. Okay. okay. Um, I was there for a year, and then I went to Fort Bliss, Texas, and then back to Iowa for recruiting. Was it blissful? Not at all. <laughs> it was hot. <laughs> so, I always tell everyone on here, um, so – so where I'm from is very close to Fort Polk. And that's why I didn't join mm. the army. Cause I was like, I'm not doing that. What if I get stationed <laughs> to the place where I'm trying to leave, you know, but I'm not, not, not knocking it now, you know, when you're young, you, you want to go do some things, you know? So, but right on dude. Cool. No, Polk is terrible from what I've heard. I have, I've had friends there and they're like kind of the uh, branch off of like the real 10th mountain up in Fort drum. So they get <laughs> a lot of crap for that. Plus they're like living in a swamp. Yeah. And like it's, uh, humid mosquitoes and it's yeah. not, it's an acquired taste. Let's put it that way. There's not a whole lot going on in, uh, in that area. Yeah. Luckily I've only gone to NTC in California, not JRTC up there, which I've heard nothing but bad things about that, but 
So what was the um, what was the main reason that you decided to not reenlist, or you decided to go ahead and you know you know bow gracefully bow out and move on? Um, hmm. Mostly because it, I sort of adopted the uh, philosophy of non-interventionism. And okay. I just ultimately, I did not believe it anymore. And when I first got in the army, I was like, if this is going to turn into something that I'm just not feeling anymore, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Because as an NCO, like a mid-level NCO as a staff sergeant, you know, I wasn't going to put my soldiers and my other NCOs through any of that. Like if I didn't believe in it, I'm just going to turn into another salty NCO on the line, screaming at everybody for no reason, doing stupid yeah. crap with no explanation. So like, I just yeah. didn't want to put anybody through that. And I also, I selfishly, I didn't want to put myself through that. Um, another factor is my wife was pretty sick of moving around. She was sick of the hours I was working, um, the amount that I was drinking, the anger that I was in all the time. Yeah. And she just said, you know, if you're going to reenlist, you're going to PCS on your own. Like, I'm not saying I'm going to divorce you. It's just, you're not going to take me with you. I was like, Ooh, okay, yeah, yeah, I don't want to become a statistic. So, yeah. um, I'll just dip out of this. Well, you made it through. Congratulations. And God bless you for it. Because there's a lot of uh, veterans that don't, you know, they're, they're fractured. You know, they go through divorces. It's, it's way too common. Mm-hmm. For sure. I had two uncles that did 20 years. Well, one did 24 years and the other one did 20. And uh, one had like three kids with a girl in Germany when he was stationed there. And then she wanted him to get out. He didn't want to get out. He stayed in the army and left him. Wow. So um, my other uncle went through a divorce while he was in too. And both of them just can try to convince me, man, you stay in, stay in, do what you got to do to stay in. It's like, no, I'm not going to become like you, oh, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I love the guys. It's just that, you know, I love my wife more. Uh, well, <laughs> well yeah. Yeah. You, that's yeah, that's your soulmate, right? That's normal. <laughs> For that's, sure. That's preferred. The, uh, <laughs> I, I tell you what I, um, I did not like myself. You, you had mentioned some things about, you know, alcoholism and, and anger issues and, and having mm-hmm. nervous breakdown and being a recruiter. And, and I, I, I did not like who I was um, when I was doing that job. I tell you the, there are a lot of, there's some skills I got out of that. Like my ability to talk to people. I'm a pretty good persuasive communicator. Um, those are good things that I got out of being, being a recruiter. And I'm, I'm glad I got that kind of skill out of it, dude. But I put on like 60 pounds of, just fast food, windshield time, greasy, mm-hmm. disgusting, you know, garbage. I was, I was disgusting. I was, <laughs> I was, I was disgusting, dude. Like, and, uh, you know, I, I'm a big guy naturally. Right. And so like, like to be a big guy and then just be like an morbid, I don't want to say morbidly obese, but like a, like a pretty fat big guy on top of all that. It was, it was right. pretty rough, dude. It was, it was rough. I hated it. I hated it. And, uh, man, I don't know. I don't want, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I went no, on no, that tangent. Dude, I went hey, on that tangent because I was like, I was so body? angry. I was so angry at myself. And you know, you go out there because nobody goes to recruiting duty generally if they're not a, like a, like a, a recruiting poster image. Right. Right. They yeah. send you out there, you know, but I, for me, I was, I was in really good shape. I had, you know, um, really, you know, just look good in the uniform. I'd look good. I was a recruiter. I had the image. And then, uh, dude, like within a year of doing that, man, I was just a disgusting fat body. It was, and it was so, it was, it was because of like depression. I'm sure of it. It was a horrible, a horrible job and, and, and treating people like cattle legit, like kids, 
grabbing them right out of their right out of their home, throwing them, throw them in the, throwing them in the proverbial box car and sending them down to the boot camp, dude. And they were just like treating them like cattle, dude. Just move them in, move them out, move them in, move them out. And uh, yep. we had a guy, and I and I remember this. I had a guy. I'm not gonna say his name because obviously that wouldn't be right. But I had a guy who was a high school senior in the delayed entry program. He was going into the aviation community, aviation. Um, like an Airedale type? Yeah, he was going to be like, a, like an aviation structural mechanic or something like that. I'm, I'm closing my eyes because I'm trying to remember. Um, a really good job, but he decided one day he didn't want to do it anymore. He wanted out of his contract. Now, for anybody listening, if you don't want to go to boot camp and you're in the delayed entry program, don't go to boot camp. You're not really yeah. in the military. Make your no decision and stick you, to it. Yeah. What, no matter what they tell you, you don't have to go. So don't go. Mm-hmm. but I was able to convince, so, you know, go back 20 years from now or go 20 years ago and, or almost that I, and I was able to convince this kid that there was no way out of his contract unless he dropped out of high school because I was betting that he wasn't going to drop out of high school. Right. I was betting on that. And uh, there's no way this guy's going to drop out of high school. Like who drops out of high school on purpose, right? He's on, <clears throat> he's, he's a smart guy. He's going to drop out of high school. That's stupid. Why would he do that? <laughs> Homeboy dropped out of high school. Wow. Dropped out of high school, moved into a tool shed down on the marina um, just to get away from me. And not that I was like chasing him down or anything, but he just did, you know, he didn't want to run into me. He didn't want to deal with my persuasive communication, right? Yeah. And that's, you know, treating people like animals, dude. If if I saw him as a human being, because I didn't, admittedly now, you know, much later, I didn't see him as a human being. If I had seen him as a human being, I would have helped that kid. I would have helped him get out of his contract. I would have helped him get in line with what he needed to do with the rest of his life. But I didn't. I saw him as a number. I saw him as somebody that was going to help me keep my quota. Because if somebody gets out, of, you know, somebody, what they call an attrite, an attrition, right? If somebody drops out of my delayed entry program, I got to make them up. That's more work for me. Yep. And that's how selfish it is. That's how selfish I was as a recruiter. And, uh, and for anybody listening, if you're, if you're a young guy that's trying thinking about joining the military, you're just a number. If you're a parent of some parents, if you're a parent of some kids who you think you might want to put in the military, they're just a number. Nobody for sure. Care, nobody cares about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly why I got out of the Navy yeah. because I was jerked around like back to back to back to back. And I was a, I was a good yeah. sailor, right? I, I was doing a lot of good things. I had all the right marks, but I will say this a little bit of devil's advocate. Um, Joining the Navy for me was the best decision that, that I ever made. Now, <clears throat> I'm not saying go join the military, everyone. What I'm saying for me and my personal situation and uh, what things was like in my life, it was the best thing I ever done, right? Getting out of the Navy, uh, I, I was kind of, um, I could have stayed in at the very end, but I was kind of put in a situation where I, I, w- I was gonna have to move on and I didn't want to. I finally decided that I wanted to stay in the military and then they're saying, oh, wait, you're, you're either going to take these other jobs, these other rates, because they were, they were it's called perform to serve, right? PTS. And uh, they, they were basically forced to go into another job because they were trying to purge the overman jobs, right? The overman rates. And uh, they were trying to give me jobs that I didn't want. And I was like, dude, I just got back from a volunteer year-long IA deployment. And you're trying to send me on another one to save me from having to, you know, not having to change my job. Anyway, um, I didn't like how I had to get out. I was a number. I got, I got, I got crapped on hard multiple times right before that I got out. But, um, 
for me, joining the military, joining the Navy was the best thing I ever did because it kind of set me up. And um, I, I made, so like, I planned to succeed, right? I left no stone unturned and uh, I had all these plans and I was, I was on it there towards the end when I was getting out of the military, 2012-ish. I, I, I was preparing to get out for like a year and a half. So I was, I was not going to fail. That's not in my nature. That's not in my blood. I'm not going to fail. Nothing that I planned worked out. Nothing. So I was just going to, going to college on my GI Bill, scraping by. And uh, in the end, everything that I planned didn't work out. God's plan for me was much sweeter. But joining the military for me was the best thing I ever did. And I just wanted to throw that in there. Not, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not set telling anyone out there to, yes, go join the military. That's your own personal conviction. And that's what, between you and your God. But uh, I, I did get treated pretty bad, pretty nasty there at the end. And, and I, was, I, was, I was doing a good job in the military. And they, they discarded that and they treated me exactly like a number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know exactly how you feel, dude, <laughs> for sure. I mean, you know, <clears throat> even as an anarchist, I can honestly say, you know, I'm actually glad that I did what I did in the long run because, mm-hmm. you know, it made me the man that I am now, yeah, so to speak. Yeah. And, and, you know, did, and like, you know, being in the army and combat arms jobs is pretty difficult most times, especially out in the field or deployments. Um, you know, recruiting, sure, it was pretty bad. But, you know, like what you said, Q, you get some skills out of almost anything you do. I could have gone oh, to yeah. prison for like 12 years and could have got some skills or some, some kind of like benefit from it yeah. in myself, you yeah. know, just the same way that I did out of the army. And I'm glad I did it. You know, I learned some things. If I didn't do it, I'd probably be sitting back, like wondering what it would be like if I did do it. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of glad I did. At the same time, there are some things that I really wish wouldn't have happened. And luckily, even though I was living a very self-destructive lifestyle, I didn't destroy everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I have some people around me that care about me a lot and they are very, very patient. Thank God, you know, and um, yeah, I've, probably wouldn't have done a whole lot of things differently. Actually, I would have failed my psych exam to go on recruiting and just ETS when I originally wanted to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, man, like I came back to my hometown to recruit and I networked with some people and I learned some things about the economy around here. And that's why I'm in the position I'm in now. So dude, it, it I, definitely I, I, I was a hometown recruiter also. I went back to my hometown area to recruit and, and, uh, I thought that that was going to make it easier for me. I thought mm-hmm. that I thought that talking to, you know, old friends, old my old buddies' parents, you know, talking to their younger brothers and sisters, I thought it was going to make it real easy. Bro, Didn't. it did not. <laughs> no, they they did not want to talk to me. They were they were real cool with me joining the military. They knew that mm-hmm. I had to get out of town and do something with my life, kind of thing, right? But when I came back to snatch up one of their kids, man, they were not okay with me being around. It was interesting. It was a very, mm-hmm. it was a yeah, very opening experience. Yeah. They're and just good as for skeptical them. of you as they are any other recruiter. Yep. You're just good, another recruiter. Good just like them. they're just another prospecting number, you know? Yeah. Good for them. I mean, I, I'm glad they did for them because, because I sure as heck was there to take advantage of them. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever did this. You, you said you had a pretty good, you had a pretty good ASVAB score. So did I, when I sat down and, and went through the recruiting manual for the first time to see, um, what I could have qualified for just on a personal note. And you see all of the things you could have done except for, you know, for the job that I did in the Navy, I didn't even technically have to pass the ASVAB. 
<laughs> yeah you know what i mean like, was, I. I was infantry dude <laughs> <laughs> so i was a, i was a damage controlman and they sold it to me as when i when i joined the navy myself it's a damage controlman on a ship and uh the cell the the, the pitch was i was going to be a firefighter right that's what damage controlmen don't do. give they're, up the ship they're firefighters right <laughs> and uh so you know while it's true that the biggest danger to a ship at sea is fire it's also true that that almost never happens. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but you train for it. You yeah, train yeah, yeah. for it. So, so what it really comes down to is I was a handyman. You know, I went around and fixed little things here and there, and and uh, which there's nothing wrong with being a handyman. That that's that's a skill that needs to be done. And of course, as a as a firefighter, or a damage controlman on a ship at sea, the last thing you actually really want to do is to fight a fire on a ship because that that's a big, big problem for a lot of people and everybody's having a bad day. And the only person who's smiling is the damage controlman. And that's, that's not good. Right. Cause that's, you yeah. know, that's so, um, but technically to be a damage controlman, I didn't even need to pass the ASVAB. So I'm kind of like frustrated that here I am, you know, I could have done all this. I could have done all that. Um, so did you ever have a, have a guy that was way qualified, you know, like yourself or like me, you know, for some other things and you just kind of put them in a job that was open and available. And, uh, I don't know. Did you ever do that? I mean, I did uh, you know. all the time. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, guy, it's yeah. just one of those things, man. Like, cause yeah. people yeah. don't know this and it's actually, I'm glad you brought it up that yeah. there is a system that recruiters use as far as, um, job training availabilities. So it's all like job seats to training. And it's a system for the army. It's called FSR2S. It's future soldier reservation referral system or whatever. And you look at what jobs are available. Usually recruiters will just go in and it'd be like five jobs. And they're usually like the worst jobs in the army because there's like a hundred training seats for each one. Right. Nobody wants to do them like, I don't know, FDC or something stupid like that. Um, but the recruiters can call, uh, they can call the help desk and ask for overrides to put into the system of actual job seats that are available. So a lot of recruiters don't because they're lazy. They just don't know it's there. So usually what I would, to answer your question, what I would always do is I'd look to see what's available. Like I'd have them write down like five jobs they wanted. They were thinking, and then I'd see if they're available. If they weren't available, I would call to see if I could get, get it overridden or whatever to get put into the system. So I could actually reserve the training seats. And if that wasn't available, I'd just be like, look, this is what you got. This is what it is. Um, you know, I'd, uh, you know, sweeten it up a little bit. Like it was really cool. And <laughs> they would take whatever sounds the least worse. You and guys, man. The thing is, thing is though, people listening to this need to realize if you are going to join the, the army at least and you don't get the job you want, walk. Yeah. Because when it comes available, that recruiter will call you. I promise go, you that. Go be an officer in the Coast Guard or something if you're going to do it. <laughs> Just go yeah. cruise, man. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Or join the Air Force. There you go. Oh, those guys never work. Did you notice that? Those guys were never oh, yeah. working. The Air Force no, Outside of like the, the JTAC. Oh. oh, I mean the recruiters? No. Yeah. Because they, they made their mission on call-ins and walk-ins all the time. Yeah. yeah. Did we catch them? Because they were never in their office. So we'd catch people like peeking their windows. Like, hey, man, what are you doing? You think about joining the Air Force? Oh, yeah. I wanted to be like a fighter pilot or something stupid. Why don't you come in and take the practice ASVAB, you know, and see what kind of score you got. It's like a 33 or something like dude the air force recruiter is not even gonna call you back yeah. i would always yeah i would always a get a job here available it's called infantry <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, 
I'm glad you guys had good ASVAB scores because I surely did not. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I used to tell them the same thing. They would they would be sticking outside the Air Force, you know, looking in the window, you know, like anybody home, and uh, and I and I did the same thing. You, you think about joining the Air Force? Yeah, I want to be a fighter pilot. You ever seen that movie Top Gun? Yeah, well, that was a Navy movie. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Like, Whoa, really? I thought it was Air Force. Now it's Navy. Come on over. Let me tell you all about it. It was yeah. bad, dude. It was bad. But those yeah. Air Force guys were never working, man. They were mm-hmm. never working. It was like the Air Force and Marine Corps were never working. Um, Coast Guard, I didn't even know who the Coast Guard recruiter was in the area, but, but the Army and Navy guys were always hustling. Always. Mm-hmm. We didn't have uh, a whole lot of Navy recruiters because they had to like make special trips to where we were at. Oh yeah, and because they came from like large metro areas, and I don't think Iowa is like a top priority for Navy recruitment. A bunch of landlubbers in yeah, Iowa. Yeah, pretty much. It's mostly Marine Corps and Army and Air Force. But uh, dude, our, our Marine Corps recruiters were working until like midnight every night. <sighs> yeah, it was brutal for them. They could never make mission, mostly because they were like, think of like stereotypical Marine. Yeah. Like screaming all the time, like high in tights, <laughs> wearing their dress uniform. Like they talked to like people during their initial interview, like they were they were Marines. It's like that's not this generation, bud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Yeah, that was weird. So I got our Marines, our Marine recruiters. Uh, you know they they weren't they never they were never around. They they were all they were off almost as much as the Air Force guys. You know what the Mar- Navy? Sorry, you know what the Marine Corps guys used to do? He, the, the, he showed me once, right when I was on my way out, um, he used to get a yearbook for the school, right? He bought the yearbook. And, and we did the same thing, but that was mostly so we could put a face with the name when we were doing the phone calls. But he would go through and he would look for the sophomores and the juniors that looked like they were getting picked on and beat up. You know, and then he would, and then as soon as they were hot that, you know, the summer before their junior or their senior year, he would start making contact with those kids and he'd be like, you want all that to stop? Come join the Marine Corps. (laughs) And and, and that's, that's exactly how he would sell it. He'd be like, look, these kids, these kids are getting picked on. Look at them. You know, you want to pick on them right now. He'd be like, look at this guy. You want to pick on him? I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to pick on him. But like he would do that. He would, he would get these kids that were having, having trouble adapting with, with the uh you know and and i mean what's a marine corps what do they do they turn you into a man and uh, we got a lot of marine corps vet buddies and i don't mean anything especially the guys you know the biting the bullet podcast and all them this isn't a shot across the bow guys i promise of you. course but it's <laughs> and not to mention the red rocket who's gonna come on our show <laughs> yeah, one of these days yeah. soon and i got a really good friend who's a gunnery sergeant in the marine corps you know and and uh you know so but but he showed me that. he goes he goes this is how this is how i do it and it works like a charm and he was and it worked like a charm that guy That's was clever, almost man. never at work he would contact these guys and he would get them all ready to go. He'd line them up. He'd drop them two, three at a, three at a time in the beginning of the month. And then he was gone for the rest of the month. Yeah. Brilliant. Nerds are always qualified too. Yeah, and, and nerds are always qualified. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. So. So you want me to roll through some of these uh, discord questions? Cause yeah, there's some them. funny ones. Ask them. Ask them. Go with that, Jordan. Of course. All right. So I'm just going to start at the top. Um, Chainsaw, which is, which is capital C H A I N five A W. He's asked questions before. He says, how many people did you sign up that you didn't lie to first? <laughs> um, hmm. How many people did I sign up that I didn't lie to first? Yeah. Um, I tell no lies. 
yeah, no, right. I'm kidding. All right. Uh, I don't know. Lie and like not telling the full truth are two different yeah. things in recruiting. <laughs> yeah. So. You, there's there's black and there's white. The world likes to think it's black and white, but man, I will mess around in that gray. Right. When I was a recruiter, I was in that gray area. Uh huh. Yeah. For and sure. You're, and you're right. It was it was. Uh, would I lie to somebody? No, I don't think I lied to anybody. Um, I've had some people have blatantly asked me, does the army suck? And I'd said, yeah, sometimes. Um, but I don't, you know, I, yeah, I wasn't really much of a liar. Even the first two years when I was good at it, I was manipulative yeah. and charismatic, convincing. Well, that's yeah. sales, baby. But that's sales. I, I wasn't really a liar. I was, I would really church it up. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. check out my LES, dude. This is how much I'm making right now. Yeah. Careful, careful in what you uh, told them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You don't For want sure. to scare, scare them off. And I'm not proud of it. You know, looking back, that dude was actually a dirtbag. And that's why I don't trust sales people to this day. Anyone that manipulates conversation, salespeople, politicians, recruiter of any capacity, like, you know, I just automatically have a natural distrust towards people like that. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Sales is an excellent profession to go into. And some salespeople are really good salespeople. It's just that initially, it's just like, uh, I know what you're doing. I know exactly what you're doing right now. You know, yeah. you're engineering our conversation here. Yep. And yeah. Do you ever catch yourself doing that? Do you ever catch yourself doing that now? Uh, yeah. From time to time. I do too. I do it all the time. It's a habit. I can't even stop it. Yeah. Gumbo, Gumbo, Gumbo's been want. calling, Gumbo's been calling me on it more and more lately. Oh, about what? About what? About just engineering the conversation, like like oh yeah, like manipulating the conversation. Hey, you know, like like I said before, I always thought that I was the bad influence in our relationship, in our friendship. But <laughs> I, I'm starting to think it's not me. <laughs> you would think it's me, but we we got another question here from um, Boshido. Um, it's I don't know if it's Boshido or Boshido. It's Boshido, and I'm gonna do a. I'm gonna be actually. I'm glad you brought up his name. I'm gonna be doing kind of a, a side quest with him. Um, he's got a show, uh, called no real libertarian. He's part of the, he's part of the frat and, uh, I'm going to be doing a little side thing with him. We're going to go down the, um, all, all of the amendments in the constitution. And we're going to have like a historical conversation about the background of where they came from and, and, you know, are they good? Are they bad? And of course, coming from an ANCAP, ANCAP slash agorist slash voluntarist perspective, my, my going in argument is that no government is good. Right. So, even, oh, Roger, that, Roger, that yeah. shit, mate. I see you cheating on me, huh? Is this well, off you know, now? I mean, we're not <laughs> married. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you want in on it, bro? I didn't. Need... <laughs> well, well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like a let it, let it rip kind of guy. You know, just yeah. ask me day of and I'll be like, yeah, sure. Um, so he's like, he says, uh, this is more of something funny. He's like, why does this job not pay more? And how many barrels of oil can I take home with me? <laughs> so he's, well, he's Dutch, negative, right? Negative he's like from Holland right or something. Like that. Yeah, he's Dutch. Yeah. So, yeah. And then uh, um, Jared the Mongoose said, can I punch my recruiter in the loin area? <laughs> uh, not only can you, but you should. You yeah, absolutely should. should. I, I, I agree. I agree. Most, most recruiters um, deserve it. If they don't deserve it now, they, they deserved it in the past and, uh, or they will deserve it in the future. So if you see a recruiter, um, not that I would recommend striking anybody, that would be wrong. But <laughs> This is a know. call to action, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Grab your pitchforks and go to your recruiting office. <laughs> They either have or will uh, deserve a shot to the groin. So yeah, okay. yeah for okay. sure. And, and then uh, we got we got the mongoose over here again, Jared. He's like, I wanted to travel the world and meet people. 
And instead I got PTSD and failed relationships and alcoholism, but at least I can shoot good. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's funny and sad at the same time, but I get, I think he's coming at it from a, uh, more of a humor, you know, yeah. type. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he says, uh, don't get yeeted, do the yeeting lesson over hashtag. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, so, stupid. so what, so did you do classroom presentation you ever go to the high schools and uh, do, do a classroom presentation? Yeah. All the time. Yeah. We had, uh, well, I personally had two like targeted high schools or whatever in our area. And I had to go do them uh, quarterly in all three of them. So it was about 12 a year. So had to do classroom presentations, gym classes, um, table, lunchroom table setups, college career fairs. It was stupid. It was dumb. It was, it's the most humiliating job of your life. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. you're preparing a presentation by the career recruiter in the office and it's super cheesy and you have to dress it up. Uh, and yeah. it's like, dude, everybody that I'm standing in front of knows that I want to put a gun in my mouth right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know, you got to smile and be convincing yeah. and get leads and everything else. But yeah, I mean, to answer your question, yeah, I did quite a bit of classroom presentations. That, that, that sets you up to be able to, um, perform on demand when needed. Oh, dude. You know what I mean? But you yeah. would never volunteer to do that, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, my, do... public, my public speaking is on point now. Yeah. <laughs> I had a mattress presentation. No longer. It was a, the, I would put the word mattress up on the board and it was an acronym, right? Money, adventure, travel, training, recreation, education, security, and success, right? And, uh, and it was like, and I would just go down the word, the whole word mattress and just and, and at the end, I'm like, and that's how you make your bed of life, baby. You know, or something cheesy like that. So so stupid, dude. And I could go through each one of those still to this day. That's how often I did it. And, you know, my, it's like a steel trap in my brain. I just money, adventure, travel, training, recreation, education, security, and success. And then that's the Navy. And that's how you make your bed of life. And if you're, if this is important to you, then yada, 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 blah, 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 blah. Come over here and I'll put you in the Navy, you know? Yeah. You and you're right, it, you're okay. right, dude. It's embarrassing because you're standing there going, because there's always a kid or 12 in the room. They're like, this guy's full of it. And, and you're trying to like, you can't smack a kid in class for being rude, right? You know, but you want to, even though they're right, you know, yeah, they're like, they're, they're asking you the stupid questions. What, did you ever get a dumb question from a kid when you were doing a school visit? Like all the time, the most common one. I was like, so how many people have you killed? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, well, probably more than people are in this room right now. Uh -huh. Pretty awkward. One guy asked me, it was at a lunchroom table setup. He's like, so how many people have you killed? And I was like, uh, quite a bit, but you know, we're kind of like the native Americans. We use every piece of the body. So I mean, <laughs> none of it goes to waste. You like this necklace? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you're, you're always going to have that one kid though. That's actually paying attention. And they're like, Whoa, sir, that's so profound. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, we're woke. Oh, That's so yeah. funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was always somebody trying to poke the bear. You know, it's like, well, let's get a reaction because we're in this public indoctrination camp and we're bored and we don't want to yeah. listen to this thirty-year-old talk. And, and you don't blame them. I mean, no, not at all. Yeah, yeah. I got. Uh, I used to use. We had the uh, No Child Left Behind Act was relatively fresh back when I was a recruiter. And um, mm -hmm. I would hit the schools over the head with that every time. Cause you know, we would get the list. I'm sure you do too. You get, you would get the lists, the phone yep. lists from high school seniors. Like they would give you a list of all of their high school students with their phone numbers. 
And uh, if they didn't actually opt out of the list, they had to give that list to all of the recruiters. Yep. And to all uh, the branches to everybody. And, and we would have a school that would refuse to give it every single, I don't want to say the name, but every single time. And, and I would get our district enlisted, nope, education specialist to come out and we would read them the riot act we're gonna and we would go so far as to recommend that they were that they would lose federal funding all that stuff because it was part Mm -hmm. of the no child left behind act that they had to give that out think about that for a minute you know yeah there's a a new one now it's called the solomon amendment oh yeah and they will legitimately lose federal funding if they don't give the list to military recruiters i walked around with a copy of the solomon amendment in my my GOV, my government vehicle. Wow. And anytime they're like, Oh, I'd call my station commander and be like, well, show them the Solomon act, the Solomon amendment. And I'd walk in there and be like, well, sorry. <laughs> you know, yeah, you have to. Yeah. And uh, so, so like for those of you guys listening, your, your kid's information is being handed out to recruiters because yeah, it's your, creepy because your government says so. That's kind of an yeah. icky thing, man. You yeah. know, I'm, it's like, I, I'm just, I have nothing, but I'm just kind of re- rehashing some it's, of the stuff it's, that it's, I went it's through. It's greasy. It's greasy yeah. in like a bolognese, you know, it's, bologna mayonnaise type way. <laughs> yeah, dude. It it's is. disgusting. It, it's icky. Yeah. yeah it was really um, good. I, I hated, I hated calling the list too. Is like most time, nine times out of 10 for like a high school senior, um, the number is to their parents. Yeah. So I was, I was like, hey, this is Sergeant Johnson with the army. Uh, is Tyler available? uh who is this sergeant johnson i'm an army recruiter why are you calling i want to talk to your son why is because i have to call everybody i don't i have to stay late in this i really don't like this i like it as much as you do <laughs> you know you, you can hear him on the phone the dad on the phone how dare you call in my house with your dirty potty jokes Do- sergeant johnson <laughs> <laughs> hey i got crap as private johnson too a lot oh, oh i believe man. it I believe it. I uh, had fun with that. Yeah, it's really embarrassing, especially if you're calling for like a female and the dad answers and is like, I know you don't believe me. But I really <laughs> am a recruiter. Okay. That's good. That's <laughs> and we couldn't delete them off the list until they actually personally requested it. It was, still, it was so dumb. It's such, mic- such micromanagement in the office. That's why I hated working there. But yeah, telephone calls were pretty bad. Social Dude. media was not so bad. But like face to face in a school, like walking around in schools as a male, like an adult, and trying to convince people to join your cult is really, really weird. It yeah. is weird. It's weird. It's very, very uncomfortable because nobody wants to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. And the ones that do, they're not qualified anyway. You know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you got that. You got that roly poly guy that likes to wear fatigues. You know, and 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 he's he's at least two hundred pounds away from from being able to meet body fat. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but he wants to. He wants to. He wants to join the military. He doesn't care what branch. He wants in real bad. Mm-hmm. Well, then you know maybe. And it's the only sales, like quote unquote, sales job that you actively go out and look for people like that. Yeah. Like most businesses have a product, like a tangible product that they can actually sell and people need. Yeah. You know, nobody needs to join the military, really. No. You know, there's, for the there's, most part, they can do something else. Yeah. There's benefits of it. Right, like, and, and I wanted, I wanted, I've been wanting to say this uh, ever since Kevin was talking about his 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 experiences. Um, there are benefits of military to military service, but the price you pay for those benefits 
is more than anybody calculates. You never go in expecting to, to, for, you know, you think, you know, that it's going to be like, so all encompassing in your life. You think, you know what that is until you get into it and realize, man, I had no idea that it was going to be this all encompassing this in this like intrusive into my fiber, every fiber of my being. Yeah. And uh, you know, as, as a, as a Christian, you look back and you go, for me, I, I look at it and I, and I wonder if it was, uh, I mean, I know now exactly how to answer the question. It's, it, it was, it's not, it's not, it's, it's not pleasing to God. I believe it's not pleasing to God. Um, but man, you, you, you're, you're, you, for me, I spent so much time trying to figure out how to reconcile all of these things that were not in line with the teachings of Christ and, and my personal faith. And, and even as a guy that, that wasn't always, you know, I, I, I was, I was totally hundred percent behind the military being a member of it. And I was, you know, I was a neocon for a while and, and, and I didn't, I didn't take my, you know, want to call it my black pill or whatever until after I got out of the Navy and had been out for quite a while. Um, so, I mean, I'm a completely different person than I was when I was serving, but, um, man, looking back on it now, dude, it is not conducive to, to a Christian life at all. Like, and, and, and this is, this is a Christian show. So, you know, we talk about this kind of stuff often to be a Christian in the military, you know, you're, whether you are, you know, an infantryman with a rifle in your hand or you're on a floating, you know, piece of war machinery, right? Like you're there specifically to end somebody's life and change their, well, even if you don't kill them, you're going to change their life dramatically for, mm-hmm. for the rest of their life. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a, a bad thing. And, and you look at the teachings of Christ and you go, well, where, where does that fit in? And I'm sorry to make that turn just now. That's not what we wanted to talk about no, you're good. You know, on, on the show, but you know, I'm a Christian too. I, yeah, I, I, exactly think, I think, I think it bears, I think it bears discussing that. Like those are, those are, complicated and heavy heavy topics to yeah. consider. uh yeah I don't and know. i guess you wouldn't really um understand it from uh, from our perspective or from your perspective or from george's perspective if you didn't have to go through it you know because i was a different person when i was active compared to now oh yeah so now I'll, i wouldn't have done it you know but whatever i agree i agree yeah definitely i definitely would i and i wasn't a christian when i was in the army you know i was full-blown atheist like i didn't believe in anything, you know? Um, but like a lot of things happened my last year in when I was transferring out and, you know, I found a good church, a good pastor to to talk about this stuff with and sort of got to understand it, you know, and adopt the principles of Christ of Christianity. And, uh, yeah, I mean, looking back at it, I can say for sure, (laughs) uh, recruiting is not a Christian profession at all. No matter what anybody says they are. It was hard. Um, the only reason that they are a Christian, and I've heard this so many times in recruiting, the only time, the only reason they go to church is so they can make a network of a pool yeah. of prospects. And oh. I was like, that's, that's pretty disgusting. Honestly, if I found, if I found a, a, any recruiter for the military in my church, I would do the best I can for them to not come back <laughs> because <laughs> they are disgusting, manipulative people. I mean, for real. I mean, unless they're in a situation where they're, you know, getting out and you know they're not worried about their ncoer if you're not worried about your ncoer you don't have to recruit i didn't for like the last eight or nine months i just stopped i rolled zeros for that amount of time i worked late at night because i didn't believe in the cause or whatever yeah Yeah. but um yeah it's 
It's definitely gross. And it's a industry that is based off of oppression completely. Yeah. yeah. No matter what you're doing, what you're in. I mean, that's the specific role of any branch of the military is to oppress people. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, 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 and I have a lot of friends who are still in, man, you know, and I, I still love them, but and, it's just, and, 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 you know, Gumbo and I both do as well. That's, that's true. We, um, we know we're, we're in a very heavy military environment here now. I mean, we're, we're on an Island of Oahu and all five branches of service are heavily represented here. Um, yeah. obviously, you know, the, the world famous Pearl Harbor and Schofield barracks, you know, everybody knows all about those from, from, uh, December 7th, 1941, but, the Marine Corps is here in force. There's a lot of them and the Coast Guard is here. It's a very, you know, obviously the Coast Guard needs to be here because of, of, of all of the ocean. And then, uh, you know, the Air Force is also here. They share the same, they share the same airport, functional airport with uh, Honolulu International Airport, right? So they're here. It's, yeah, man, we, um, we know plenty of, of military guys. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'll say too, my veterans, my my, my veterans, brothers and sisters, and my, and my my homies and my boys that are active, you know, we don't always have to agree. We can agree to disagree, but I love them. You know, I love them like family, you know, for they're, sure. They're my people. You know, I don't want to throw that in there. I, I, I love my vets, right? I mean, yeah. Call me what you will, but I love them. Yeah. 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 You can still love people you disagree with. Yeah. So I had a, uh, I made mention of, I wrote, I rolled the donut intentionally three months in a row. I had, I had a, uh, a boss that, that squeezed me real hard on, on, I was, I went, I first started working at a small station. Um, it was just me and one other guy. Then that other guy transferred in. It was just me by myself and I was doing okay. And the entire zone needed some help. I had already made mission. It was like the, the 20th of the month. I was feeling really good. And I had a couple players that I was going to, going to go for, go for the next month. And my zone soup said, I know you have these guys. I know you're holding them, but I need them. If you write them this month, I'll give you a goal of zero next month. And so I did. I said, okay, fine. Goal of zero. That's good. I'll spend the month, I'll spend the month prospecting and, and I'll get it going. Um, but dude, the next, the next month, the boss came up and said, I got to give you a goal of two. I said, dude, told, you told me zero. No, I got to do it. I got to give you a goal of two. I was like, well, it's going to be zero. And then the next month, I gotta give like, you let, me, let, me, yeah. let me scrape yeah. this poop patty off my yeah. shoulder for yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> I got I gotta give you I gotta give you another goal too. I was like, oh no, it's gonna be zero again. Right. And I and, yeah. and I did and I throw and I rolled three zeros in a row until uh well, you know, I bit off my nose to spite my face. They fired me from that station and moved me on. You know, I got a history of doing that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> yes, yes he does. <laughs> but hey, I got a couple more um things I want to throw out there because I don't want to forget anybody in the Discord. Um uh, Vet Arcus Actual said, sup nerds. So we talking about recruiters kidnapping kids or what? So that's kind of <laughs> a funny thing. And then, uh, and then Walt Arcus is like, uh, asking the recruiter why literally nothing other than RM was open. What's new? He's talking Radio about man, what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So that's all we got in there today. So, so did you guys want to wrap it up? Um, is there, Jordan, anything you want to talk about? Uh, I think we hit it pretty good. What do you think? Yeah, I think that was pretty good. Um, you know, there's a lot that goes into recruiting, man. Uh, I think we just kind of like scraped the surface a little bit here. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, dude, it's, uh, I didn't say everything that went behind, went on behind the scenes because it is some really 
dark and disturbing things. Like, like it's just strictly a career on manipulation, dude. It is. And if you're not a good enough manipulator, they're going to train you like mandatory training. You're going to go through to become a good manipulator. And if you don't put up the numbers that they need, they're going to see where, where you're not meeting the marks and manipulating people into joining. It's like, how can you get people to join the cult? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, it's such a overblown thing too. It's like, Oh, you're not making mission. We're going to work you to death. Like we don't care, yeah. you know? And it's like, okay, are people dying? Are troops dying? Like what, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. We're talking about recruiting, dude. You're taking this way too seriously. These guys, that, that, that was one of the ones that would stress me out too so much is like being in the fleet. When there was a problem, you understood what the problem was. It was something that, that, was, a, that, was, that was hazarding the ship, right? Right. And, and that makes sense. Okay, so we need to maybe freak out a little bit, maybe focus in and get, 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 put, put a lot of work in and fix this problem. But they would have the same level of stress and the same level of freak out, right, over, you know, only putting one guy in instead of two. <laughs> right. Know? It's like, come on, dude. It's, just, it's not that big of a deal. Maybe I'll make it up next month. Stop. stop. Or you put in two Bravos instead of an Alpha. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's like. Now we're talking about quality marks. Like, what are you yeah. doing? So here's one that, that just kind of, I mean, I'm sorry, I know we're trying to wrap it up, but, but you just said it and it, and, it, and it jogged this. Did you ever put, officially, did you ever put a white guy in the, in the army um, <laughs> who, who, who scored more than a 50 on the ASVAB? A white dude? A white dude. Even, oh, if, you, even if he was white, did you mark him down as white or did you mark him down as something else? Uh, we we actually no we didn't we didn't have quotas like that as far oh, as yeah. i know only the navy did yeah we did yep so we didn't have anything like that like black white mexican yeah. doesn't we matter did. as long as they're alphas if that we was had the big a, thing. if we had a dude that scored up, up over a 50 on the asab if he had an afqt of 50 or better and 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 he went on deck as a white guy oh <laughs> man it was it was not good for you bro they were coming after you. So you'd sit back and you'd, you, I remember just talking to this guy and he was stone cold white like me, right? Like just totally white. And there's nothing wrong with being white. I don't, you know, I don't mean, this is not a political statement. This is just yeah. to discuss the issue. Yeah. How and, dare uh, you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but you know, for, for real, like if you, if you scored a 49 or lower, we didn't care what flavor you were at all. But mm-hmm. if you were 50 or better, you were not vanilla. You were not <laughs> vanilla. You were Even cinnamon. You were I was chocolate, even, you were, yeah, they, you were even, banana, my, you were something. My recruiter, <laughs> my recruiter didn't put me down as a white dude either, yeah. Caucasian. Um, yeah. He put me down as Latino, yeah, which dude. I'm not, but that's <laughs> yeah. funny. Yes, yes. He's like, look, yeah. boss, I'm telling you, he's Cuban. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. They would do that. And it was like, and I sit down, I go, did you, I remember, did you ever, is there a family story where you were maybe you know, part Cherokee Indian somewhere. Cause everybody's part Cherokee, right? I think, I, th- I think I told the story about, I think one episode we did on, on the, on yeah, the, yeah. the DNC candidates a while back and told a story, a family story about my non-existent native American heritage. And, um, and I would do that. I was like, are you sure you're not native American? Because everybody's native. Everybody's got something, you know, everybody, you know, especially in America, we're all kind of mudded up. Right. And uh, dude, I was, I would pull it out of them. Yeah. I think I might've been a, my great, great, great grandmother during the civil war might've been, you know, half, you know, Shoshone or something, right? 
So we would, dude. His name was like Dale Anderson. Bingo. <laughs> Asia Pacific Islander. Got him. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it was bad. That's how dirty it is, though. But it's always that stuff, man. And uh, you're right, Jordan. We, we barely scratched the surface, and there's so much more filth involved in, in military recruiting. We couldn't – we could do this show probably every day. We should do this in parts. For, yeah, we, we should probably should if, if we wanted to. We could probably structure this a little bit better and, and, and really dissect components of it. But um, – yeah, dude, it's gross. If you're talking to anybody listening, if you're talking to a military recruiter, he might be a nice guy. And I mean, legitimately, he might be a nice guy, but he's going to be forced to do some pretty dirty things, you know? So just, just be aware, pay attention to what's going on. And maybe, 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 maybe you don't join the military. That's my plug. Maybe you don't. Um, but uh, that's all I got there. Anything else from anybody else? Gumbo? Good to go, man. I just really appreciate you coming on, Jordan. And I, I hope that we can, uh, have another i would like to do this in parts you know and break it down you know i was supposed to ask more questions but uh i didn't so sorry <laughs> it's all good uh, this was this is a lot of fun dude i really do appreciate you guys getting me on um any do you want me to come back for anything else by all means just shoot me a message and we can make it work right on bro you want to plug your show plug what you got sure um i'm one of the three hosts of veterans for voluntarism uh the four is the number four you can find us on facebook and twitter we're not super active on Facebook, but we do check our private messages on there. Um, on Twitter, it's at V4VISM, and the four is number four. I am on Twitter at Anarcho Johnson. Right on, buddy. Okay, thanks a lot. All right, man. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Q underscore abolitionist. My co-host is at CryptoGumbo, and our show page is at unshackled underscore L. Uh, if you like the content that we're creating and would like to help us make more, you can support us at anchor.fm slash unshackled liberty or patreon.com slash unshackled liberty. Thank you for your time. Every little bit helps. And remember, freedom does not require permission. <laughs>